0: This is an AMI podcast. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks and give you tons of great notes to jot down, including recommendations. The quote that you heard as we kick off a new month, the month of August 2022, is by A.A. A. Milne from Winnie the Pooh. So maybe this is a little nostalgic for all of you guys, if you, of course, recognize the quote. And the reason why I picked uh, not just this quote, but this realm of quotes is because it's back to school month. All right. And whether it's, you know, officially being recognized or not, majority of us kids and uh, young adults in school and everybody who's going back to some kind of schooling in September is thinking, oh, the countdown to the end of summer. So we're featuring quotes from children's books to kind of help out and and ease the pain and stress and sadness of going back to school. And I'm sure that some of you actually enjoy school. But you know, this is for, for my nostalgia of being like, man, Nobody wants to go back to school. Let's take a look at the SELA homepage. This is the Center for Equitable Library Access. And the featured titles from uh, the last little while and that are still up there are You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akwiki Amizi. This is a contemporary romance and the first title up there. The second one is River of the Gods by Candace Millard. Adventures and Explorers. Check this one out. We chatted a bit about it last week during our pause or play and all the things we don't talk about by Amy Feldman, Family stories and the last title of the featured books category. So it's really nice to uh, chat with our friends from the Center for Equitable Library Access and we will get to do that in a couple minutes as we take in some literary news. There's a lot of stuff going on and it's not even necessarily award season yet, but it definitely feels like it when we talk to our friends because uh, they keep posted. And the thing is these stretch year long, these awards, the Booker Prize and um, all kinds of wonderful awards that are given out. So really the the part about it that's interesting is not just that these books are being recognized and the authors are being recognized but actually I, i'm more curious about the the time that we live in and the kinds of books that are being featured or taken into consideration and why it makes a difference to think about these books um you know a lot of times the the content being featured is somehow timely in some serious or deep way. And we get to kind of follow this as we uh, look to our our friends that are picking these books and offering these incredible, recognized prizes. So looking forward to that conversation in a couple minutes on AMI Audiobook Review. Uh, And of course, we have featured books when we talk to Teresa and Karen as well. And today we're chatting about... Books being sent to the screens for TV and for film, so gotta check what's on tap for that one. AMI audiobook review and if you want to join us with the conversations with your commentary with some recommendations call us at one 509 4545 and leave us a message for AMI audiobook review and of course you can also give us written commentary feedback at AMI. Dot ca. I'm Ramya, I'm within the host of the show, and we're checking in with our friends from the SELA Library, Karen McKay and Teresa Power from the Center for Equitable Library Access. Karen is the... Uh, communications manager, and Teresa is the content and access librarian. We're going through a ton of stuff today, so I want to start with the literary news, uh, because Karen, there's a bunch going on. Do you want to start with the Stephen Leacock Award for Humor?
1: I'd love to. So earlier this week, they announced their shortlist. They've picked three out of 78 original entries, and the winner of that will receive $25,000 in in a prize money and it will be announced later in september on september the 17th this is the 75th anniversary of this prize so it's kind of a monumental milestone Mm -hmm. and the short list that they've put together really has some phenomenal well has three really phenomenal books so the first one i want to talk about is an embarrassment of critches by mark critch he loves puns this man i know Uh,
0: (laughs) It does. So the, we just read Son of a Critch on the Kelly and Company book club. So good. Oh my goodness. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. And so that
1: one was actually adapted into a, a TV series uh, for CBC, the Son of a Critch. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what, what happens with the embarrassment of critches. Anyway, the subtitle for this book is "Immature Stories from My Grown-Up Life." You know, it's it's sort of classic critch, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and so he covers off some of the major milestones and accomplishments in his career, and what was happening in the the world of politics and culture at the at the time. So, you know, he's always he's always funny. Everybody, I think, you know, gets a
0: hysterical gets a giggle
1: from him. Yeah. I just yeah, can't wait and for then the impressions. <laughs> Uh, and then another one on the list is "Talking to Canadians" by Rick Mercer. So this is his memoir. He's not released a memoir before. I mean, he's written books, but not not sort of personal like this one. So this one really charts his rise from what he calls himself a highly unpromising schoolboy uh, to to his fame in TV. And and um, I've seen a couple of interviews about the book, and he's very self-deprecating as well. Just he's you know he's Rick Mercer. We all yeah. love him. He's so. Yeah. Um, you know that those it'll be challenging to to pick between those two and then the third one is a little bit different it's called the Prairie Chicken Dance Tour by Dawn Dumont and this is loosely based on a true story of a group of indigenous dancers who left Saskatchewan and toured through Europe in the 1970s so it's a little bit of a you know crazy cast of characters that make up the this book it's very funny i believe this is her third novel um and you know she's she's been um nominated for the 2022 Saskatchewan Book Award for this book as well so it's her most recent book and I you know again I think she's in good company with these other two there is a bit of a sort of a sad uh, bit of news with this so in their announcement for the shortlist this the Leacock organization, Uh, wanted to issue this statement. So they said, and I'm quoting here, the Leacock associates are happy and proud to include Don Dumont as one of the finalists for the Leacock medal in 2022. We're also extremely concerned for the safety of Ms. Dumont, who also goes by the name of Dawn Walker. She and her son Vincent have been missing in Saskatchewan since July 22nd. Saskatoon police and the RCMP are continuing their ongoing investigation. So um, the events surrounding her disappearance and the disappearance of her son are quite concerning. And I think... Uh, in addition to all the folks at the Leacock organization, just everyone, including, you know, us at Sila, are really holding her in our thoughts and hoping for her very safe return.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us. And um, it is the the world of um, real life and literature. Uh, so pretty sad, uh, but hoping for the best in, in all accounts. Can we also cover off Karen Lee Booker Award nominees? Because stuff going on there too. We
1: can. So the Booker Awards um, is an award that will be announced, so going will be announced October the 17th. The shortlist is going to be unveiled September the 6th, and the prize is awarded to the best work of fiction written in English and published in the UK and Ireland. It's a very rich prize. It's £50,000, and we have a number of the the long list in our collection, but there's just three I wanted to pull out to highlight because I think they're quite interesting. So the first one's Glory, which is a novel by Noviolet Bulawayo, and she also was... um, nominated for her book, We Need New Names. So this book is, um, it centers around the unexpected fall of Old Horse, the main character, who's a long serving leader of a fictional country. And the drama that falls follows this. It's kind of written in the style of Animal Farm, where all the main characters are animals. Right. And it's inspired by the unexpected coup in November 2017 of Robert Mugabe. Um, the author is the first Black woman from Africa to become nominated as a finalist for the Booker Prize. So I wanted to highlight her. Uh, the next one I want to highlight is called Nightcrawling, a novel by Leela Motley. And she is the youngest author ever nominated for a Booker Prize. It's based on a true story of how a young Black prostitute was sexually abused by police officers and the ensuing scandal and downfall that came as a result of that. Molly began writing night crawling, night crawling just before her seventeenth birthday. She's, wow! Yeah, she's turning just turning twenty, or she just turned twenty, uh, and she's already nominated for a Booker. Like, oh my
0: gosh! Yeah, that's and pretty for such incredible. Heavy content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the
1: um, youth poet, poet laureate in her community uh, when she was I think it was fifteen. Uh, yeah, she's this this author's going places for sure. So anyway, I wanted to highlight that one. The book has had rave reviews, obviously, if it's been nominated for a booker. So, you know, if folks are interested in reading an up-and-coming author, well, she's already arrived if she's uh, been nominated for a booker. Mm. But I wanted to highlight that one. The other one I wanted to highlight, highlight is called Trust by Hernan Diaz. And it was one of the most anticipated novels in the New York Times list. It's this really interesting book uh, it's about a 1920s tycoon and sort of the influence of money and wealth and power in the, the states in the 1920s and 1930s. But what makes this book really interesting is it's written, it's one story, and it's written as basically four different books. And so each of the books within this book tell the story from a different point of view, and we get these sort of layers of uh, revelations about what's actually happened and what's the influence and, and the consequences of the things that are happening in the story. Hmm. I think it's a really interesting technique. It's not sort of one of those books where it's written by, you know, different points of view in each chapter. It's actually four different books that are kind of combined to tell this one story. So again, a really interesting and very creative approach, I think, and one that's worth picking up and, and taking a look at. We have all three of these in human narrated versions in our collection.
0: Okay, amazing. And do we know when the uh, the long list is going to be, um, or the short list? Sorry, will be released for the nominees. Yeah,
1: yeah, it comes out September the sixth, so you know, in about a month, and then the um, the awards will be announced in London in October on the seventeenth.
0: Wow, this is great, and and three really. Uh, different reasons you know for for picking like the variety of reasons you picked these books to highlight today so um, really great I'm so curious about the last one about the technique of writing because I've been reading some books like this um, kind of you know unusual right not not like a very typical form of writing so um, I'm curious about that the starless sea is the one that I'm thinking about right now okay so There are a lot of books, to move on to the next part after literary news, there are a lot of books being adapted for the screen. Uh, Some examples, you know, there are a couple in theaters now, including Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Neil Gaiman has um, a team of people working on the comic book The Sandman for Netflix. And just a, a highlight there as well, or a side note, that The Sandman is available in so many different um, ways for audio drama, audio entertainment. Audible has a really popular one. And then there's Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. This one was uh, so highly anticipated for going for film um, and also very well-loved by a lot of people, including Teresa. So, Teresa, should we start with that one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, this book, I... I read it years ago, and um, when I, you know, read the description of, of what the book was about, I was like, oh, this sounds, like, really intriguing. Um, not gonna lie, it was, like, a little put off. I think it was a, a Reese's Reese Witherspoon book club pick or something oh, like yeah. that. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know about that. But um, I picked up the book, and I have to say that whenever people ask me for a book recommendation, I always come back to this book. Like I, mm. I always come back to this book to recommend. Um, so it's like a, a little bit historical fiction. It's a little bit murder mystery, but it's also like just so. It's so much more than just that. So the the crux of the story is about um, a woman named Kaya Clark. We start off the book. Um, set in north carolina um she lives in she's quite poor uh she lives in the, the marshland area outside of a town called barclay cove it's a coastal community in northern in north carolina so it's 1969 and um a local boy man has been found dead his name is chase andrews um, And he's quite well known and quite well and uh, quite popular in the town. And uh, Kaya uh, is suspected of his murder. So at this time of the murder in uh, 1969, she's 23. So she's a young woman and we come to know her as the Marsh Girl. This is the name that the community has given to her. So... This is the start of the book there's this 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 murder that happens um she is a suspect and the rest of the book or the bulk of the book is actually going back to the very beginnings of kaya's life living out uh on the marsh um living quite poor uh she was with her mother and father her mother left the family um, her and her siblings were then left with her dad who had um, a very bad drinking problem and eventually all of her siblings leave, leave the house mm-hmm. um, her father eventually leaves and it's just this young girl um, correct me if I'm wrong I think she's maybe like around six or so She's she's incredibly young um, is left there all by herself in her family home um left to survive basically um she manages to learn um learn how to read from um someone named Tate Walker so yeah, he teaches her how to how to read because she's just she just doesn't go to school she's so young she doesn't quite know what to do with herself. Um, And, you know, after Tate goes off to college, we learn that Kaya meets Chase. Now Chase is the the boy who has been found murdered at the beginning of the book. And um, they have a relationship. So there's also this like romance element. And I mean, just to bring it back to the movie adaptation, I think a lot of the trailers really position this uh, book as a romance but I would say that the best parts of this book are Kaya interacting and loving and learning about the wildlife and the environment that she has grown up in like I think that that not to sound too cliche or corny but I I do feel like that is the true love story, and this is where this book truly shines to me and makes it something more than just a murder mystery and more than just a romance, but something truly, like, exceptional in a way that it's, it's kind of hard to describe. You really have to read it. the The Marsh... The, the animals, the everything that she grows up with and she learns about um, is is like, it is a character in the book. Mm. And I would say next to Kaya is the, the main character. It's the main character right next to her more than anything else. Um, and what's really interesting is that the author herself has actually written a number of books on wildlife. So it's no wonder that you know, really, this is where this book shines. Um, yep. You know, more than really uh, in anything else. It's it's quite a remarkable story. Um, I really enjoy the way that it is um, structured, and the way that you know, the more that we learn about Kaya and the relationships and how we grow up, uh, how she's grown up. Um, we also learn more about this murder as well and and this mm-hmm. person as well and um she ends up you know going on on trial for this for this murder and, and I won't give away the ending by any means but um the ending is is also um there's a little bit of a twist in the ending too so it's this this book is is, is really exceptional and it's it's one That's why I I always recommend it to people because it's just got a little bit of everything, but it's just, it truly shines in, in, in Kaya and, and how she has just become at one with, with her, with her environment and, you know, they kind of grow up together. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And honestly, everything that you said, I couldn't have said it better myself, Teresa. I loved this book so much. I mm-hmm. can completely understand why. Uh, you know, it encapsulates the reader so fully. Mm-hmm. And the thing for me is, I read this book back to back, like right after I finished *To Kill a Mockingbird*, um, mm-hmm. and it was my first time reading that, so I couldn't stop thinking of the parallels like the both books are so incredible um there's so much description and vivid imagery of the the outdoors the that presence of life in that time frame um especially outdoors like it was just and then you know the the endings the trials the the um the murder like that parallel as well of the both books and even just the titles i don't know there was so much um that i enjoyed and felt so uh, like uh, that I was grasping um so well with the yeah and I don't
2: I I love this book so much that I am so scared to go see the movie <laughs> um yep. especially Same. like especially <laughs> seeing the previews and how they've really set it up for me it really comes across as as a romance and I was like no (laughs) it's just it's one I mean it's one important facet to the book like I I totally get it 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 forms the crux of of this murder like that relationship like I I I totally understand it but um it's really about Kaya and, and and where she's grown up it's 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 like 100% more about that than i think anything else.
0: So. And the thing is too, when we make a book like this or any book, okay, because this is an argument and a lot of people have about a lot of things, um into film, into screen time, we're focusing on something completely different. I feel like we're focusing on content on getting everything in for a particular amount of time, you know, portraying somebody, uh, the characters, but those are not always the the main focuses of our reads, right? When we're reading the book, we take away so much more and so many different things that yeah. um, it is scary. Like, I totally agree with you.
2: I know, I, I'm, being, I'm really being a precious librarian about it and I I, I totally get <laughs> that, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have gone to conferences and I um one in particular that comes to mind was a panel discussion uh, totally about ad- adapting your book to like tv or to movies and you know one author said a canadian author said like why are we doing this comparison like they're just two completely different things you know and like i don't feel so i don't feel overly um uh like proprietary necessarily about keeping the the book essence uh the same to like the movie or the tv essence right because you're it's two totally different ways of taking in information. Right. And I get the argument, like what a person likes in a book is maybe going to be something totally different that they enjoy um, listening to and watching on the screen. 100% get that. But, you know, I'm going to also pull my librarian card and be like, I
0: don't know.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, as we predicted, we ended up talking about, um, the, where the crawdads sing for like majority of our time, but I do want to squeeze in one more. So Karen, do you want to tell us really quickly, the fastest you've ever spoken about something? Um, <laughs> the women talking.
1: Sure. Actually, it's interesting that we just had that conversation because this is a book that I'm really interested in seeing the movie of. It was shortlisted for the Governor General's Award for English Language in 2018, and for the Trillium Book Award in 2019. And it's been the the movie's being directed by Sarah Polly, and will premiere at TIFF in September. So it's based on a true story of a small Mennonite community in Bolivia, and for years, uh, women have been waking up in the morning they've been repeatedly violated by demons coming to push their punch them for their sins but what they actually found out was happening was that they were being drugged and attacked by a group of men from their own community and so these women who do not speak the language they do not read and write they do not really have any power within in their own community meet and have a conversation about what they're going to do to protect themselves and their daughters and their sisters and all the women in their their community and it's one of those books that I think is, um, it sits with you. It's a quiet book, but I think as a movie, this book will really, um, really shine and be maybe more accessible to more folks. Uh, and I can't wait to see what Sarah Polly does it. So the discussions are, are philosophical, they're religious, they're practical, they're heartbreaking. Um, and I think that Sarah, in Sarah Polly's hands, they'll come across really beautifully on the, on the screen. One thing I did want to mention is that Miriam Taves was actually raised by Mennonites. So she has an experience that sort of informs her ability to write about this group. And I think that that lends a right. real authenticity to the conversations that these women are having and a real, um, uh, a real sensitivity to, to what they're going through and what the impacts of these horrific events um, are doing to these, these women. So anyway, so this is one of the ones that I'm going to go and see the
2: movie for sure
0: okay see i'm glad i'm glad we got the ying and the yang like i don't know about this one being a movie and then go check this one out i um, would
2: i would definitely go see this one too
0: okay good yeah, so, yeah. Teresa's joining this one all yeah. right awesome i yeah. uh, can't wait to plan the theater days guys thank you so much i uh, really appreciate all the conversation and uh content as well on literary news and your opinions always we'll talk to you next month take care awesome Teresa Power, Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access. That concludes this week's episode of AMI Audiobook Review. Next time we have Know Your Narrator with our friend Sarah Hillis. We'll be back, and until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media